the, the, the title of the message this morning is, Be Anxious for Nothing. We've talked about this before when we went through the book of Philippians. But last Sunday night, we talked a little bit more about the idea of anxiousness, anxiety, worry, if you will. And, and also the, the concept of concern came up. Um, concern meaning a lesser degree of worry. Or maybe not no worry at all, although concern can enter into worry very easily. So uh, the idea about worry is that something that you are worrying about keeps you from sleeping. It raises your blood pressure a little bit. It takes away your appetite. And it causes you to be on edge a little bit. This is not of God. And Paul makes it very clear over here, and I'll bring some scriptures to bear that will show us that we should not be anxious. Um, concern has more to do with, my mom would say, I'm concerned because I haven't seen you brush your teeth lately. She's not worried about it. She's not losing sleep over it. But she's just making me to know that I should brush my teeth. Okay? So there's a, there is a difference there in my mind. You could also bring concern so strong that it enters into worry. We're, not, we, we're making a distinction here. So anxiety and worry are sort of on the same plane, but concern is a, a, lesser, a much lesser degree. So the question was asked, and we got a very good answer. What is your definition of worry? And one of the sisters gave a very good answer. And she said, worry to me means that we are telling God that he is not big enough to handle my situation. Yes? I'm not sure I have it exactly word for word. But the gist is exactly right. This is what she meant. That we are basically telling God when we worry that he is not able to handle our situation. Now, let me ask you this. Is God pleased with that? Of course not. It was sort of a timid no, but you can be a lot stronger about it. He is not pleased with that for us to tell him that he can't handle our situation because he can and will. As his children, he handles our situations for us. That's why we look to him for everything. That's why we go to him for everything, including our desires and our motivations. So, I like to speak about these things because we can go to the scriptures and find immediate remedy. Immediate remedy. That in one moment I was anxious. And in the next moment I don't have to be anxious any longer. The word of God in certain arenas is so applicable, so apropos for our circumstances, for our life, that it immediately It has the possibility of immediately changing our circumstances, or rather our situation. 
uh, as to the way we perceive or receive the circumstances we find ourselves in. He might not change the circumstances at all. Matter of fact, my experience is that often he doesn't change the circumstances at all, but that he uh, changes our heart and our mind concerning those circumstances. Because you might find yourself in circumstances, but the circumstances should, be, should not have you under, under their control. Are you with me? So far so. I will give you an exhortation from the scriptures. That is my first point. Then I will give you some examples from, this, from the word that, um, that tell us what type of things can make us anxious sometimes. And plus the warning of not being anxious. And then thirdly, I want to give you the solution. Because after all, it is wonderful to have a solution. <laughs> it's one thing to have an exhortation, don't do such and such. It's another thing to have some examples of why these things happen. But it's a whole other thing to get a solution from the Lord Himself. And so when the Lord gives me a solution, I take heed and I'll follow Him up on that and heed Him and hear His words and take Him to heart so that I can change this thing on the inside that causes me to be anxious. So we look at Philippians chapter 4. We will look at verses 4 through 7, but initially verse 4, and then later on we'll, we'll look at the, the other verses. So uh, verse 4 says something like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The original language doesn't speak about rejoice in the Lord always. The word always gives it away what is meant by rejoicing. Always. And the original language, it says, be rejoicing always. And again I say, be rejoicing. So what does that mean to you? Be rejoicing. Okay, an attitude of rejoicing. Okay. Is that the same thing as rejoicing? Okay, okay, okay. So? Okay, so no, no, no. I'm not, pick, I'm not being picky. I'm just saying, yes, there should be an attitude of rejoicing. That is sort of in here. But then am I rejoicing? You know, do I, do I give glory to the Lord in here with my voice, with my attitude, with everything? I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Now, Paul to me, has a lot of credibility because this is a man who is in prison. <laughs> and he tells us to be rejoicing. And he tells us to be rejoicing always. The other reason why I wanted to go back to the rejoicing thing and not just stay on the, uh, not, not being anxious, is that there is a direct, there's an inverse relationship between rejoicing and anxiety. Okay? A reverse relationship means when one goes higher, the other one goes lower. And when the one goes lower, the other one goes higher. If my anxiety goes higher, my rejoicing goes lower. When my anxiety goes lower, my rejoicing goes higher. 
there's an inverse relationship, and this is really, really important, because how are you going to be rejoicing if you're always anxious? And people say, you should be rejoicing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just giving you a silly example, because you, you, you're not going to act like that. I'm just exaggerating it just a little bit. So, if you are anxious all the time, where is the rejoicing? And so, the, the lack of anxiety facilitates you rejoicing. Does that make sense? Is that a fair statement? Okay? So, this is not, this is not a law, but this stands to reason. Yes? Okay? So, then... Uh, Rejoice, be rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say, be rejoicing. Be rejoicing. Be rejoicing. That is the exhortation this morning. Be rejoicing in the Lord and be anxious for nothing. Um, That is the, 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 the next part of it. Be careful for nothing. That is not really the right present uh, translation because this is the old translation where careful didn't mean careful. Where careful meant full of care, which is the same thing as anxiety. So we translated careful, but that is not really the present proper translation. Because today, careful means something a little bit different. Be careful so you don't cut yourself. It doesn't say, don't be anxious not to cut yourself. No, just be careful. Otherwise, you might cut yourself. The knife is very sharp, and you're doing a lot of cutting, and so if you're not careful, you might cut yourself. So, but this has a different meaning these days. It means full of care or the word anxiety is used in more, in, in, in more of the, the present translations, the modern translations. Who, who's got the word anxiety there in your Bible? Anxious, I mean, anxious, anxious, anxious. Or, yeah, be anxious for nothing. Okay, so nobody else? Okay, there, okay, there we go. Well, I'll ask you to raise your hand, whatever. Um, so you see, that is a prevalent thought. That, that is the translation of, of the thing. Is He's not saying... Be careful for nothing. Don't, don't, don't uh, 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 t- take good care of yourself and be careful while you're traveling. And so this is, has to do with anxiety. This has to do with losing sleep. Worry. Worry is another word. Worry. Uh, anxiety. So uh, be anxious for nothing. For nothing. That is the exhortation. Rejoice in the Lord always and be anxious for nothing. What does the word nothing mean to you? Nothing. Thank you. That's profound. That's what I was thinking. Nothing means nothing. In the original language, I like to bring, I'm not a scholar by any means, but I'm looking at the original language to bring to you uh, a, a, a little bit bigger picture than just the English. Um, so, in the original language it says, it means not even one thing. That's what nothing means. But, I want you to understand what, what I mean by nothing. 
Sometimes we don't mean the same thing with the same word. When somebody says nothing, uh, honey, what is the matter? Nothing. Well, <laughs> well yeah. in that case, you have to read between the lines. <laughs> so, um, but here it means not even one thing. So don't be anxious for even one thing. That is the exhortation. And now we'll be looking at a few examples of, of the things that may cause some uh, anxiety uh, that the scriptures are talking about, that Jesus is talking about, and see what he has to say there. And then we go to the solution. So we look at Matthew 13.22. 13.22. Here, Jesus gives us a parable, or I should say, the explanation of a parable of a, a sower and different soils. And in this verse, we're looking at the third example of the soil, where it says that uh, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, he hears the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. To see, and this is so common, and this is so perplexing in a way, because the sons and daughters of God, the word gets choked out over not much. This is not Satan and an army of demons coming to attack you and choke out the word of God. These are the simple cares of this world. The simple cares of this world have a way of choking God's word in your life, if you're not careful. And then the deceitfulness of, of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Watch out with riches is what it's saying. Because there is a deception that comes with riches. And if you're not careful, you'll go for them. And they choke out the word of God. So, and you become unfruitful. Who, what Christian wants to be unfruitful? But there's a chance that you might because of the struggles of this world. They tend to, do you know people like that? The, 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 the struggles, the cares of this world... They choke out. You never see them happy. You never see them glad. You never see them thankful. You never see them uh, rejoicing. These cares of this world, they get the best of them. The cares of this world, they choke the rejoicing out of them. When the word of God says to be rejoicing. Just for an example. So we have to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we don't get choked out by the cares of this world. Then I, I would like for us to look at Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And I'll read that, and then we'll talk about it. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I am 100% convinced, although in this translation, it might not be in the King James translation, it uses the word, it says here, take no thought, 
But then the King James, the other King James translation, the, 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 the original one, it talks about, uh, and it means over here, don't be anxious. Take no thought. Don't be anxious. And that thought, that idea, happens like in these nine verses six times. So I think that, you know, one of the rules for interpreting Scripture and seeing what the Scriptures are saying is the repetition of particular ideas in that Scripture. The more it is repeated in that Scripture, the more it is pointing to that concept. Are you with me? If you read five chapters and it says one time something, those five chapters are not about that one thing. They are about the things that have been repeated often. In these nine verses, the idea of taking no thought and the idea of anxiety and anxiousness occurs six times. So I think that at least these nine verses have at least something to do with anxiety. Yes? Thank you. Okay. All right. I heard somebody say yes. So, uh, yeah, somebody's agreeing over here. Therefore, I say unto you. Now, this is in my, in my Bible. It is not on the screen, but in my Bible, it is with red letters. Is it in, in red letters in your Bible? You have you don't have red letters? Oh, I'll color them for you. See, sister over here is coloring them. Yeah. Jesus is speaking this parable, and he's saying, "Ha ha! Yes, yes. Therefore, I say unto you." Take no thought, or don't be anxious for your life. What you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put, put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? So, first of all, Jesus is saying to you, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. Are those not the basics of your needs of life. And he says, don't be anxious for that. Don't be anxious for what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. Have you ever been anxious about what you're going to eat, or drink, or wear? Some people have a closet full of stuff and still are anxious about what they're going to wear. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm better off just with, with just one suit. <laughs> I have no choice. I have no decisions to make. I'll wear that one suit. And that's it. If you have two suits, now 50-50. If you have three suits, now one-third. If you have four suits, 25%. You know, um, you have to just ah, this, this is just... Uh, being a little bit silly here. But so he says, don't worry about. And then he goes on to explain why he is saying this. He goes on in 26 and says, Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feed them. Are ye not much better than they? Let's leave it over there and look at it just a little bit. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. That doesn't mean that you don't need to sow. This is not a parable to promote idleness. 
Not at all. It is a parable that says not to worry. Okay, and he says, look, the fowls of the air, they don't sow. They don't sow. They, they do not reap. They don't gather stuff in barns. Yet, that word is an important word, yet, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much better than they? Sometimes, your heavenly Father takes care of the fowl in the air. Feeds them. Takes care of them. Looks after them. And Jesus is saying, a question over here in which the answer is all so related. Are you not much better than they? What does Jesus mean with that question? People are more important than the, the fall of the air. He's not asking the question, hey, are you better than they are? I'm not sure if that's true or not. Like he doesn't know. He knows exactly. He is trying to point out to you that you are much better than the fall of the air. And if he's taking care of the fall of the air, he's going to take care of you. So, this is a message not to be anxious. He is going to take care of you because he takes care of the fall of the air and you are much better than they are. In other words, you are much more important to the Lord than they are. They are not sons and daughters. You are sons and daughters. And he's going to take care of you. So he's saying, don't be anxious. Then he goes on to say, 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one? And, and, and taking thought is here, the, the, thing, the word anxious again. Which of you, by, by being anxious or by worrying, can add one cubit into his stature? Okay, what is a cubit? It doesn't really matter what a cubit is. What, what matters is that you get the idea of what one cubit means. What it's, what it's meaning is, which one of you, by worrying... This is a legitimate question because people worry a lot. Is that a, is that a true statement? Or a fair statement? That people worry a lot. Some people a ton. Some people less. But if you combine it together, people, Christian folks, the sons and daughters of God, they worry too much. That's why Jesus says, knowing this, he says, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Because one of the reasons he's bringing to bear is he's taking care of the fall of the air. Two, he's saying, uh, worrying, is that going to add one moment to your life? Is that going to add one inch to your height? Is that going to uh, add one degree to your stature? Is that going to add... Uh, one dollar to your bottom line? Which one of you, by worrying, 
added a dollar to your bottom line or grew an inch. He says, so don't worry. It doesn't make sense to worry. Are you with me? <laughs> I sorry, I get a little excited about these things. Because people worry. People worry. If, if you have never experienced this from people around you, you don't know too many people. People worry. They get sick worrying. They worry themselves sick. And God, God is not in that. God doesn't want you to worry like that. God wants you just to trust Him. 28 says this. And why take your thought, here's that word, worry or anxious again, for raiment. Why do you worry about what you're going to wear? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. <laughs> Your heavenly father just grows them. They toil not. Neither do they spin. They just rest in the Lord and grow. And then he goes on to say in 29, check this out. And yet, here's that word again, and yet, I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What does that mean? That's exactly what it means. Solomon in all his glory, in all that he had, and he had a ton, couldn't be as beautifully clothed as the lilies. But God takes care of the lilies. He's trying to make the point, if he's taking care of the lilies who are so beautifully clothed, why do you have to worry about what you're going to wear when your heavenly father is going to take care of you? You see what I mean? Uh, verse 30 says this. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Well, there it is. That's the answer. It is a rhetorical question. In a rhetorical question, the answer is in the question. Shall he not much more clothe you if he's taking care of the lilies? See, brothers and sisters, we have in so many ways forfeited or foregone the much more that God has for us. Because we worry. And the much more that he has for us, we just worry it away. Even when God gives it to us, it is as if he doesn't, because we worry. It's not like we don't have it. Is anybody here without clothes? We got it. But we worry. <laughs> Why, why worry when you are the daughters and the sons of our Heavenly Father? And then Jesus thought he'd throw something in there. Oh, ye of little faith. I don't think he was making us a compliment on that one. 
I don't think so. But there is an, an amount of perplexedness in, in that. Oh, ye of little faith. Why do you have so little faith as to worry? When you belong to the Father who will take care of you infinitely better than your early father ever could. Now, I don't know what kind of early father you had. Some of you had good fathers. Some of you had bad fathers. I just happen to have had a good father. And I rejoice and glorify the Lord in that. Had a good father. But he was nothing compared to my heavenly father. My heavenly father is infinitely greater than my early father. And I had a good early father. Nothing to complain about. And yet, if we're not careful, we will not believe God. We have little faith and worry. 31 says this. Therefore, take no thought. Here's that idea again of taking no thought or not to worry or not to be anxious. Some translations say anxious. Few translations say worry. But uh, some anxious say anxious, but uh, uh, the, the King James says there, take no thought. My King James says, take no thought as the old translation, and then they give you the new translation, don't be anxious. What shall we, okay, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He goes back to that idea, he reminds us again, as if to say, hey, don't forget, don't forget, what you're going to eat, drink, and wear, I got you covered, I got your back, and then some. And then 32 says this, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of the, all these things. Go to 33, please. Then we go back to 32, if possible. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He is saying that after all these things, this is the attitude of the Gentiles. This is not the Gentiles as opposed to the Jews. This is the Gentiles, those outside of the covenant. If you be, if you're a Christian, you are part of the covenant. And he says, the people that are not part of the covenant, that are Gentiles, that is what they do. They worry after those things. What to eat, what to drink, and what to wear. That's what they do. But he says, you have other priorities. Your priority should be the kingdom of God. It's not that you cannot plan or scheme what you're going to eat and drink. If you go to anybody who prepares a meal knows you have to plan. It's not that you cannot plan. It's that you cannot worry. It's not that can you, it's not that you cannot plan for your business. It's not that you, cannot, it's not that you should not worry about your business. It's not that you cannot plan a vacation is that you cannot worry about your vacation. You know, I know people go on vacation. Why do you take a vacation? Can somebody tell me why you take a vacation? Relax. To relax? Okay, relax. That's, 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 that's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it that you want to have a, a, a sort of like a, a good time? Is, is that included in the vacation? Yes. Say again? <laughs> Hopefully worry-free. 
I guarantee you, before they are in the car, the vacation is already spoiled. Somebody's running a few minutes late. Can't can't you not be on time? Can you never be on time? The vacation is already spoiled. It's supposed to be a good time. It's supposed to be relaxed and very free. <laughs> oh, right off the bat, the children are already. <laughs> I don't want to go on vacation. If it's going to be like that, don't worry. So you're running a few minutes late. So you're a few minutes late. <laughs> so you're running a few minutes late. Even if you're getting a late start and you have to catch a plane. Why? Blow the vacation before you even get in the plane. Hey, just hurry up a little bit. But don't worry. Don't get excited. Don't anxious. That is, that is what the, the ones that are not of the covenant, they worry about all those things in life and in the world. But he says, but your heavenly father knoweth all that you have need of. He knows it already, what you have need of. And he's going to take care of you. But this is the condition. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Check that out. So he says, if you first seek, if your top priority, I should really say it otherwise. If your only priority is the kingdom of God, then he will put all the other priorities in order for you. He'll make it a priority for you, for you to love your wife. He made it a priority for you to, to love your children. He made it a priority for you to honor the sisters. Yes, he'll put all the other priorities in order for you. Just make him the priority of your life. And he says that all these other things that you so worry about, he says, I will add them to you with part of the package. <laughs> How good is that? Part of the package of putting first the kingdom of God is that he takes care of you with all these other things. They will be automatically added unto you. Our prayer life gives us a way that we do that we not first put the kingdom of God. Because when we pray, we pray always for these things. Well, isn't that proof of the fact that we're not first putting the kingdom of God? Because we've First put the kingdom of God. We wouldn't have to pray for all these things all the time. They would be just automatically added. Or sometimes we, our eyes are not wide open enough to see that they were added. So then we still have to worry about it a little bit. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Okay. 34 says this. Take therefore no thought. Here's that idea again, that thought of not taking thought. The idea of not, not worrying or not being anxious. 
Take therefore no thought for, for tomorrow. For tomorrow. For tomorrow or tomorrow shall take, shall take thought for the things of itself. Shall worry about the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Remember what he says. So you have to, you have to work through this verse a little bit. He is saying that the worry, the, the, how you call it? The obsession with these, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear, that's what, that's what the, the, those who don't belong to the covenant, that's what they do. But that, that's not you. You have a heavenly father who's going to take care of you. So seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added unto you. Then he goes on to say, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will bring those evils that will press, on, press up on you, that will push you, that will press you into not making the kingdom of God the top priority. They're going to try to sway you and push you away and once again make the other things their priorities. Does that happen sometimes in your life? It has happened in my life. And I don't want it to happen in my life. I want to be a blessing to the Lord as He is a blessing to me. I don't want to be a disappointing son that cannot even trust Him, that doubts Him all the time, that worries about nothing. Amen. <laughs> Mary. Okay. Uh, we still have a little time, folks, here. I know we have still a few things to do here, but... Um, so, let me see here where we're going from here. Can I give you another scripture? Isaiah 40, 31. Let me give you Isaiah 40, 31. We've talked about many of these things before, but... You can't repeat them often enough because people tend to worry. Is that a fair statement, brothers and sisters? Okay. That was just three or four of you. That was not true for the rest of you. People do it all the time. You remember I'm a pastor? And I'm not working only with people from my congregation. There's other Christian people that come to me for whatever, counsel or whatever. So I, I, hear, I hear it just about all. And people worry about things. For no reason. Because the worry, the question that Jesus asked, can it add one cubit? Can it add one day to your life? No, it will subtract days from your life. You'll get sick. Worrying. Okay, Isaiah 40, 31. And it says like this. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. <laughs> now, when you hear that picture, what comes to your mind? Anything? There's a, there's a picture come to your mind. When you read that verse, they that wait upon the Lord. Huh? Mrs. Seals, okay. A, a, a sister comes, a, 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 an exemplary sister from the past is coming to Brother James' mind. 
Okay? Anybody else? What, what, you get a picture from this? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you shall mount up with wings as eagles. You shall run, and you won't be weary. You won't get tired. You shall walk, and you will never have a faint feeling about it. That means, you can, you're going to be able to keep going for a long time. And you're not going to just be going like, slouchy like this. This is a guy that is running, and he won't get tired. This reminds me of Glenn. When he was younger. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, known, I've known Glenn too long. <laughs> Great athlete. Better athlete than I ever was. Great athlete. He just didn't. I didn't get many opportunities. He had even less opportunities. But otherwise, he would have been some, something special as a tennis player. He was already something special. But I'm talking about huh? professional. You see him play. So, what comes to my mind? So, <clears throat> they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. My picture of people who wait on the Lord. Let me ask you, do you have a picture of people who wait on the Lord? When the Lord says wait, what happens to those people? Does the Lord sometimes say to you, Wait. Often to me, wait. You know, it's like the old, the old thing that this guy was going to God and says, God, isn't it true that uh, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day? Yes, the Lord says. And isn't it true that a dollar is, uh, a million dollars to you is just like one dollar? Uh, yes. Well, can I have a million dollars tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> One or two of you caught it. <laughs> that means in a thousand years. Okay. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, when people have to wait on God, when God is orchestrating your life such that you have to wait for Him, most people get tired. If not just tired of waiting, they get tired. They get worn out. They get bored, Brother John. Say it again. Elijah was fed by the birds. Okay, yes. Oh, so yeah. No, no sense in, in worrying. But when people have to wait on the Lord, they just, they just get tired. They get sick and tired. They get weary. Lord, it's been a long time. But you know what this verse says over here? They shall renew their strength. <laughs> they, they're not... I give you the picture. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. <laughs> Get me another cup of coffee. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm waiting. But he says, Isaiah says over here, you shall renew your strength. You shall mount up on wings like eagles. It is, it is partly waiting.
but you're doing the Lord's business. You're not just sitting back. No, you're not sitting back. You're, you're like you're waiting. Back. You're waiting. You're waiting on a specific you know, thing from the Lord. We're gonna, you know, you gotta be doing doing things. Yeah, no, no. By no means did I mean to imply that you're sitting on your rear end, waiting on the Lord. Yeah, that, that's never that's never the picture that comes in the Scripture, except for Elijah. Yeah. So you understand what he's saying? He's not asking you to sit on your rear end, but he's, but being busy doesn't mean you're not waiting on the Lord. You're just busy with what he's wanting you to do over here, but you, he wants you to do something else over there, and you're waiting for him to give you instruction, the money, the supplies, whatever, for, for it. Or your, your kid goes to college, and you're, you don't have the money, and you're waiting for God to bring you the money. So then you're waiting on it while you're going to work, and while you're still you know, saving money and still do your daily labor and, and, and responsibilities. But you're waiting on the Lord in this scenario. Other translations say trusting. But waiting and trusting, <clears throat> they have a lot of the same meaning. Okay? So, by no means uh, as waiting on the Lord, sitting on your rear end. That's what it's asking you to do. But what happens is most people worry. So they get weary and tired and, and, and bored and, and, and sick and tired of God. This, this, has that not happened in your life? Does that have happened in people that you know? It's happened to a lot of people that I know, a lot of Christians that I know. They get tired of waiting on God. They're still doing their work. They're still doing their job. They're still cooking for the family. They're still uh, providing for the family. They're, they're still doing the yard. They're still doing everything. But in this particular arena, they're waiting on the Lord for an answer. Okay? When, God, when we were a million dollars in debt, and God says, I'm going to get you out of debt, I'm waiting on the Lord to get me out of debt. And it was 20 years. I didn't sit on my ear for 20 years. So, but I was waiting for him to get me out of debt and fulfill his promise, like he promised me to do. And so, he did. So, yeah, you can't, yeah, yeah, all that, all that, yeah. You, you don't stop serving him. You don't stop doing anything except you waiting on the Lord for something specific. And some people wait on the Lord for a baby. I know a sister that couldn't have babies. And then she was upset with every other person that had a baby. And then, but waiting on the Lord. And then ultimately the Lord gave her a baby. Beautiful, beautiful guy. Beautiful son. And, but she was waiting, and she was getting tired of waiting for a son, or, or, or a child, for that matter. So, anyways. So, good word. Good word. Uh, so, they wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. If you trust him, if you're waiting, trusting, he shall renew your strength. I don't know too many people that are waiting on the Lord that feel like, they have re- he has renewed their strength. They get tired. They get bored. They get weary. Weary waiting. Instead of being invigorated while you're waiting on the Lord. That's what he's saying over here. He shall renew your strength. He will, you will be invigorated when he's asking you to wait on him. So, uh, that is Isaiah 40.31. I think that is, that is good enough. <clears throat> 
No, it's got not good enough. I just give you a verse and then we're through. Yeah, so I give you the solution and then we're through. Okay, so if you can put on the screen there, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. For good clarification, Brother Jim. Be careful for nothing. We talked about that, 6a. And the second part goes, but, but, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He gives us the solution. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then 7 says this, and here it comes. Let your requests be made known unto God. And he says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, your mind cannot comprehend this peace, because the peace of God is something that is in such circumstances sometimes that never would your mind uh, be able to uh, make such a peace happen. It is beyond. You, you, the circumstances are sometimes as if you could not have peace, but you do have peace. And he says, not only will the peace of God will, will, will that pass all understanding, but it will guard, it will guard your hearts and your minds. It will, the peace of God himself will be the guard to your hearts and your minds. It will stand guard to your mind and your hearts so that no enemy can come and enter in. It is like a goalkeeper in soccer. Matter of fact, they have the World Cup finals playing on right now. Uh, it is like a, 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 a goalkeeper in soccer who keeps the shots of the opponent, in this case the enemy, uh, out of the goal. Out of your goal. He protects it. That's why he called a goalkeeper. Shall keep your minds and your hearts like a goalkeeper, like a goalie. And keep the shots of the enemy out that causes you to worry. So I gave you the exhortation. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be anxious for nothing. I gave you some of the examples that cause sometimes this anxiety. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear, uh, the, 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 the business of the daily business, what do I call, what I call it, the, the issues of the day uh, that, that people that worry about. And then I gave you the, the solution that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is always about Jesus Christ. It is always about Jesus Christ.